Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God tonight. You can be seated. Amen. I appreciate every person that makes it a priority to be here on Wednesday night. I know others would like to be here as well. To those that are watching online tonight or will watch later on, we are so glad to have you joining with us tonight as we conclude our Module 2 of elements and tonight we are going to be talking about alignment and authority alignment and authority and to truly function that the way that God intends on us functioning we must align with his kingdom's purpose and core values but there's a lot of people out there who get that really confused with my kingdom when we pray, it's not my kingdom come, my will be done. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But we live a life that sometimes almost portrays my kingdom come, my will be done. Matthew 16, verses 19, and we'll read down through verse 23. The Bible says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples. How that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying. Be it far from thee Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he speaking of Jesus turned and said unto Peter. Get thee behind me Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God. But those that be of men. Here at the beginning of our text tonight. We see that Peter is given authority. It is placed into his hands by Jesus himself. That tells him I'm not only giving you the keys. But I am giving you the opportunity. That whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I am empowering you with an authority. But with that authority, there also must come a discipline and an alignment that Peter did not understand in the moment. Sometimes good people with good intentions get out of line. You can have the best intentions in the world and sometimes cross a line. Have you ever done that before? You were trying to help. You were trying to do something that you thought was going to benefit somebody. But at the end, you just messed it up and made it worse. You have one verse here where God says, Blessed art thou. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Because you have been in tune and you have understood some things. And you've had a revelation of who I am. Blessed are you. And because of how in tune you are with what is going on, I'm going to empower you and I'm going to give you authority and give you keys to the kingdom. 
He was instructed that whatever he binds shall be bound in heaven and whatever he loosed shall be loosed in heaven. But then four verses later, he goes from being blessed to be called Satan. So quickly, everything changed. It did not change because he had that authority stripped away right after it had been given. God didn't hand him that and then say, all right, give it back. You've already failed. You've already messed up. But it was an opportunity to realize he needed to realign himself. That things are not always the way that I think that they are. That I I, I misunderstood something about all of this. And so now I'm given an opportunity by God to realign myself and, and find out what exactly I am savoring. What exactly am I paying attention to and putting my focus towards? It gives me an opportunity to savor the things that belong to Him. This passage offers us great insight into exercising the authority we have been granted. While the fuss was raised with good intentions, Peter was not wanting Jesus to die. And so... I imagine many of us would have responded the same way. Don't let it be so, God. Don't, don't let them take your life like that. Don't, we can put a stop to this. You're, you're God in flesh. You can end all of them right now. We can be done with this. You don't have to do this, God. His intentions were great. His reasoning for interrupting Jesus was good intentions. But even with good intentions, there needed to be some realignment that took place in his life. Jesus was aware that even though he was God, he too had to be fully aligned with the purpose and the plan. He had turned about and he looked on his disciples and rebuked Peter. You know, it could have been a moment where God said, you know what? Hey, Peter, come here. I need to take you in the other room and. Talk, talk to you about something. But God said, no, I'm going to address this in front of everybody because I want everybody to understand this is not about me. This is not about you. There's a whole lot of other things and a whole lot of other people that are dependent on this moment right here. And I need you to understand that what I'm about to do is all a part of my plan. I need you to understand that though it does not make sense that we have to submit to this plan and we have to align ourselves with what is about to happen. And I'm going to use this as a teaching moment. And Peter, I'm sorry that you're the one that has to be called out in front of everybody. But I want all of you to get this. This is bigger than all of us. Peter, you get a big picture, but I'm wanting to show you the bigger picture. You understand some things and you've comprehended some things and you had a great revelation of who I am and that's wonderful, but there's more to it than that. And I'm wanting you to get a hold of this. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, even when we don't always agree, even when we don't always see it the same, even when our intentions are great, I must align with the purpose and core values of his kingdom. Jesus went to a garden to pray so that he could align himself with the purpose. 
and said, not my will, but thy will be done. Not what, if it be possible, let this come, this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I, I understand that my emotions and my flesh get intermingled in my life, but there has to come a moment where I have to realign myself with the purpose of God for the betterment of His kingdom. I've got to straighten myself out. I've got to make sure my life is on the right path and I'm still praying like I need to pray and I'm still living like I need to live and I need to make sure that all that I am doing is not to benefit me and mine, but Him and His. Jesus was not trying to make this all about Him, but He knew the purpose and the values of the kingdom were bigger than His current situation. Jesus had the authority and He could have called what the Bible says, 12 legions of angels. But that would have broken up the purpose. Paul could have dealt with some things a little differently. Peter could have fought to his own death trying to save Jesus that night. But that did not align with the plan. This just goes to show you that even when you are the one in authority, it does not negate you from having to submit and align yourself. In fact, it is quite the opposite. With great power comes great responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. Jesus humbled himself, submitted himself, denied himself, and yes, even surrendered himself, all for the bigger picture. And if Jesus had to do all of that, to fulfill the purpose. Why do I think that I'm exempt? Why do I feel like I can live my life in a way that is for my kingdom? And my life and my home. Well I'm, I'm doing this for me. No there's a bigger picture that you've got to get a hold of. And align yourself with that. Jesus showed us that the way to authority. Is not through self exaltation. But rather it is through humility and serving. Jesus showed that alignment comes not when we say the right things, but when we live the right things. It's easy to come into the house of God on Wednesday night and say the right things and and do the right motions and smile at the right people and do the right things. But when we leave this place, can we live everything that we've been saying? Can we continue to align ourselves every day when brothers and sisters aren't there cheering us on and praying with us and encouraging us? Can I wake up on Monday after a Sunday night service when all of hell is bombarding me and then I say, you know what, I, can I keep doing it then? Can I align myself then and be submitted to the cause of Christ? That brings us to our point number one tonight, which is aligning our motives our motives. Jesus showed us that his values are not about power and position. He didn't come as a mighty warrior. He didn't come with all the muscles and all the popularity. He came as a tiny little baby in a manger. He came as a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient. Even unto death. 
He showed us that his values are about loving and serving. You know, there are some people that cannot and will not do anything unless they have a title to go with it. Well, I'm not going to contribute unless you give me a position. I'm not going to contribute unless you tell me that I'm going to be this somebody. Then I'll, I'll contribute. And there are others who don't want to contribute until something is in it for them. Well, how much are you going to pay me? How much am I getting out of this? What are you going to do for me if I do this? There are others that serve, but only so they will get applauded. They work hard when everyone's watching and, oh, here comes pastor. Oh, here, here, here comes somebody that's going to notice me cleaning and wiping the, the walls and the pews. And th- look at me now. Look at me now. There are some that get consumed with the work at hand and they forget who the work is really for. There are some that have minions and helpers that do all of the work for them and they use them to accomplish their task. And then they take all of the credit when the credit is given. There are some that pride themselves in being great leaders because of what they are capable of accomplishing by delegating. And they speak it and it gets done. And they think, my, what authority I have. What an opportunity I have to turn some things around because when I speak, they listen. When I say jump, they say how high. And I have an opportunity here because I've been given a title. I've been given a position. I've been given a role by God to rule the roost. And I'm going to do it, bless God. I'm going to tell everybody how to live and what they need to do and how they need to do it. You like serving under people like that? Had Jesus come... And been that kind of God. There would have been a whole lot of more people not following him. If he had come and said alright now get your life together. Come on you need to do it like I do it. You need to get your life right. You need to quit living this way. and quit. Come on get some more stones. Come on this lady's. Come on. Let's take care of this right here and right now. But that wasn't the God that we served. We served a God. Who served us. Who came to love us. Even while we were yet sinners. He died for us. So in all of this. I've got to stop myself. And I've got to say. Are my motives right? In my asking of somebody else to do something. Am I asking them to do it because it's going to benefit me? Or am I asking them to do it because it's going to give them a part of the kingdom of God. And it's going to give them a place to connect. And it's also going to glorify God. Because there's a difference in the type of leader that I am. In how I'm addressing those things. If I'm only asking you to do something because it's only going to make me look good and and glorify me. Then there's a problem. James and John come to Jesus. Two of his faithful. Wanting to know. Hey, can we sit beside you when we get to heaven? Can you put a chair on the right and on the left and we can each sit on either side of your throne? Can we be special like that? Because after all, we are your chosen. We are two of your faithful and we've been, we've been here with you through it all. 
Surely we deserve something. Surely you can do that for us. Surely we can come and and be, as my brother-in-law would say, Yapadnas. We can be Yapadnas. And Jesus says, you have no idea what you are asking. Your motives are all wrong. Your attitude is all wrong. All of you kind of get caught up in this quarreling and you don't even see the big picture yet. And I feel like he had that conversation with them quite often. Guys, come on now. How long do I have to be with you before you get this? How many times do I have to show you who I am? How many times? And sometimes I feel like God's that way with us. How many times do I have to encourage you? How many times do I have to bless you on a Sunday night and tell you I'm with you and I've got you and we're going to make it? But these two brothers have no idea what they're even asking. And he goes on to show again all of them, not just the two. He's going to use this as a teaching moment. And he wants all of them to understand. I get what you are asking, but your motives are not right. You've got to realign yourself and realize there is a bigger picture. He says, you've observed, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. And when people get a little power, oh, how quickly it goes to their heads. It is not going to be that way with you, he said. Whoever wants to be great must be super smart must be super popular, must have all the money in their bank, must have a prestigious lineage that they came from. Oh, I'm so-and-so, son. Oh, no. He said, whoever wants to be great among you must become a servant. See, but that's so contrary to our world's thinking. Our world doesn't teach you that if you serve other people that you're going to get to the top of the food chain. That if you're helping others, they're going to promote you. Because, man, look at that guy. He, he, he's not even working hard for himself. He's, you, know, you probably get fired for doing that. If all you did was go around and trying to help other people make sales and other people elevate and other people get their numbers in. And then you come and you say, well, I don't have anything to offer I didn't sell anything this month. You would probably get let go, even though you were responsible for encouraging other people and lifting other people up. Our world doesn't teach this principle. But God said, if you want to be great in my eyes, you're going to have to be a servant. I want you to love others. I want you to serve others. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. He lays out the framework very Simply, if you want to be great in my eyes, you become a servant. Well, servants, they don't get any credit. Servants, I can't remember the last time we handed out awards for a servant. I can't remember the last time we got up here and some of the leadership honored some servants. We don't do that. Servants don't always get praised for everything that they do. And if that is your attitude tonight, then you really don't understand servanthood. 
Which is why Jesus is trying to show us we've got to realign our motives. But for those that do understand and do willingly give of yourself. Hear me tonight. Sister Krill says, where the records are kept, they are kept right. And everything you do, God sees. Every time you do it and you're serving others and you're loving others and you're serving God faithfully. Other people may not give you accolades. Other people may not come up here and give you a trophy for all that you do. But you hear me. God sees you when you're praying. God sees you when you're fasting. God sees your faithfulness. He sees you showing up to the prayer room when nobody else is here. He's honoring each and every time that you do something like that. And where the records are kept, they are kept. Right. One day I believe soon and very soon we're going to hear well done. Not thou good and faithful manager. Not thou good and faithful warrior. Not thou good and faithful boss and tyrant and director. No. He said well done thou good and faithful servant. You see this desire for dominion it's in our blood. It was put there by God. This desire to rule and to reign. It was put there by God in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, and God gave Adam dominion. So this ability to rule and to conquer and to be the head honcho is in us. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to discipline that. That doesn't mean we don't have to align ourselves with the big picture. But when life got out of line and flesh stepped in and got involved, so did their attitude towards their authority. Eve would have a desire to rule over her husband. Cain dominated his brother Abel to the point of death. Authority is not granted for you to beat people up. Authority is not granted to you for you to rule over them and lord over them and make them bow down to you. You are given a responsibility when you are given authority to make everything around you better than when it was given to you in the first place. That authority that was given to Adam in the very beginning was not to go around telling everybody who was boss. But it was to bring order It was to bring peace. It was to see everything grow and go the way that God intended. But flesh will mess all of that up. Hear me tonight. Your title before it is anything else should say servant. Before you're ever president. Before you're ever CEO. Before you're ever head honcho or whatever else they want to call you. You ought to be servant. John 13 said, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? You call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and master, if I am head honcho, if I am the top dog, And I have washed your feet. And I have submitted myself to you. Who I lead, I will also serve. I have washed your feet. Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you 
an example. I've shown you what it takes to be a real leader. I have shown you what it is like to have authority. It's not to lord over. It is to serve. And I want to serve those who I am leading. I want to bow down and wash your feet. I want to make sure that you are taken care of. Because this is not about me. There is something much bigger at stake here. And I want you to get this before I go and die on this cross in just a few short days. I want you to understand this at this last supper. If I am Lord and I have washed your feet. Then you should also be washing each other's feet. You should be serving other people. Finding somebody that you can do the same thing that I have done for you. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Happy are you if you do them. Jesus didn't just ask these men to align themselves and their motives. He didn't say, okay, I'm expecting this from you and this from you and this from you. Jesus said, no, I'm going to show you by example. I'm going to do exactly what I expect of you. I'm going to humble myself first. And I'm going to lead by example. I heard a leader say one time, well, we served our time and now it's time for us to be served. And in my mind, I thought, well, you know, I don't remember hearing it that way. This story does not show that God said, all right, you guys, I've spent these last four years, three or four years pouring into you. Now it's your turn to pour into me. Now it's, come on, kick my shoes off. Come on, you come wash my feet. You come serve me. You come take care of me. Oh no, that was part of the problem with with Peter. He said, this is not about me. This is about everybody. There is a bigger picture here. Well, we served our, our time. Now it's time for us to be served. Now it's time for us to kick back while everybody else does all the work. And, and I've earned my stripes. And I don't have to do those things anymore. Now, where did that mindset come from? Because that certainly does not sound like Jesus. That didn't sound like his spirit or his character or his attitude. To me, it sounded a little bit like Satan. It sounded a little bit like somebody selfish. But there are many people, perhaps maybe even somebody in here tonight that has felt that way. You haven't said it, you haven't vocalized it, but perhaps you've even thought, well, I've served a long time. I, I think it's time for somebody else to take on this role and other, other people. And I'm not talking about you letting somebody else become involved and you allowing somebody else to help carry your load. I'm talking about you and him, your relationship with God and that you no longer have to do the things for him that he has called you specifically to do because you've earned your right to all of a sudden have arrived. But there are people that feel like that today. And it is no longer required of them to serve. Again, what is my motive tonight? Is it to be the boss? Is it to have a title? Is it to have power or money? Or is it to propel his purpose? Point number two is aligning with his values of his kingdom. 
and to exercise his authority. His authority. God trusts us with authority when we align ourselves with his kingdom and its values. If you violate the values, you're going to have a really hard time exercising the authority. If my attempts at utilizing this God-given authority is to do magic tricks, is to get oohs and ahs from the crowd, if it is to self-preserve, then there's probably some things wrong in me that I need to address. If my use of the authority that God has given me And if your use of the authority God has given you is only to benefit yourself, then there's a problem. Forgiveness and humility, they are essential in our alignment process. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody if they sin against me? Seven times? I'm going to throw a number out there. I mean, to me, I think that's fair. In fact, I think that's more than fair because some people, you know, you do them wrong one time and they write you off. But I'll I'll be generous. I'll be a Christian. I'll say seven times. Jesus said, oh, no. I'm thinking more like 70 times seven. Whoa. (laughs) That's a lot. I can't count that high. You're asking that of me? That if somebody does that to me? That I have to forgive them that many times? Forgiveness was in direct correlation with the authority that had been given. While Peter thought that it had to be more than enough, God thought it was not nearly enough. Because we have been shown such grace and mercy, we are to extend grace and mercy. In his kingdom, you cannot treat others wrong. And expect to get away with it. Period. You cannot be hateful, vengeful, malice. You can't do those things and expect God to be pleased with it. And God to bless it. But treating others right will always come with great reward. Maintaining a right spirit and a right attitude will always come with God's favor and blessing. Joseph's suffering... And his proper response to that suffering brought him to a position of great authority. He could have said, you know what, I'm demanding respect immediately. Because God has given me some dreams and you're all going to bow down to me. And I'm not waiting until I get to the palace. I want you brothers to bow down to me right now. I want you to sit down at my feet and worship me. But it's not about me. This plan that God has presented before me is bigger than this moment that I'm in right now. And I'm not demanding that authority right now. I'm not even going to demand it then. But God is going to work some things out in my life if I will keep my attitude right and my spirit right and my motives right. That God is going to take care of me through the prison, through the palace, through the persecution. Until I get to the palace, God's going to work it all out to where that God-given dream will come to pass. He could have walked around proud because he was special. He was dad's favorite. 
But instead, his attitude was the avenue to his advancement and authority. His attitude was the avenue to his advancement and authority. That brings us to point number three, the value of authority. The value of authority. God blesses us when we honor authority. But when we are given authority, we must also realize God blesses those who lead in a way that is pleasing to Him. I know there's been times that God has probably looked down at some people who were leaders and probably been very disappointed. I'm sure some of you have been in situations where you saw somebody that you esteemed so highly do something so unwise and so foolish and made very, very poor decisions that caused you to look and say, I am very, very disappointed. But there has to be a realization that there is value in authority. That when there is truly God-given authority and God-ordained purpose in a man or in a woman, there is something there that he sees, I've got to see it. It's that David that has an opportunity to, to take out Saul, but he says, no, he, he's God's anointed. I can't touch him. I know it's, he's not perfect, but there's something there. The Bible says when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant, the one underneath me, he lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. I understand authority. I understand what comes with the territory. And I know that when I speak, something can happen. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, not to the man, he could have talked to him, but again, he said, here's another teaching moment, people. I want you to get this. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This man understands authority. This man understands that while he is a ruler, while he is head honcho, while he is the man, he also realizes that it's okay to go to submit to somebody else and say, I need your help. I need you to speak a word that my servant could be healed. Because I don't have all power. I don't have everything that you've got. And though I may be a leader, there's some things you can do that I cannot do. And so I want to come to you today and ask you, would you please just speak the word? This passage shows true value of authority in a beautiful way. The centurion was an humble man. He came and he said, I am not worthy that you would come under my roof. 
I, I am humbled before you. I, I am not worthy that you would come to my house. He also knew how authority works. He said, I'm a man under authority. I have people under me. I know that I can speak and they do it. But even with him being a man of authority, he also was not out there puffing up his chest saying, all right, Jesus, let's see which one of us is bigger. Let's see which one of us is stronger. Leader versus leader. Head versus head. Let's go right now. Though he was in a place of authority, he understood there are others who also have authority. He recognizes the authority of Jesus and comes seeking him for help. And even though he was in authority, he also respected and honored authority. Having authority is great, but authority is not everything. Being the boss is not everything. He said, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. Don't rejoice because you have dominion and power and authority over spirits. But rather rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. There's a bigger picture than just being boss. There's something better than being head honcho. You ought to rejoice that your name is written down in heaven. That ought to be more than enough for you to get excited about. And say, I don't ever have to get a trophy. I don't ever have to have accolades. I just want God to know that I want to serve Him. That I want to respect Him and honor Him. And do whatever He needs me to do. And that if my name is written down in heaven, that's good enough for me. Because where the records are kept, they're kept right. And if my name's down there, I'm good. I don't have to get a trophy here. I don't have to get an applause here. I just want to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. May we learn to live out these core values of his kingdom. And in doing so, we will exercise authority the way he meant it to be done. Not lording over others, but through faithful serving. Point number four, the value of aligning with others. Aligning with kingdom values involves aligning ourselves with those around us who are also trying to align themselves with God's kingdom. Scripture says to encourage each other to good works. We will show others whose purpose we are pursuing by the way we exercise authority over them. They'll figure out really quick whose kingdom you are trying to build up. They will show you in their speaking to you if they're trying to build up their kingdom or his kingdom. If it is my purpose, my authority will be directed in a way that elevates me. But if it is his purpose... My authority will be directed in a way that elevates others and him. And will in turn elevate me. We should seek to build relationships that spur us to good works. Somebody shared a story today that I thought was so fitting for tonight. It said there was a farmer who grew excellent quality corn. And every year he won the award for the best grown corn. One year a newspaper reporter interviewed him. And learned something interesting about how he grew it. And the reporter discovered. That this farmer would share his good seed corn. With his neighbors. 
He took the very same seed he was planting. And he said, here neighbor, I want you to take some of this. And I want this neighbor to have some of this. And I want that neighbor to have some of this. And they said, well, how can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbors when they're entering into the same competition that you are entering into and they could defeat you? Why would you do that? Well, why, sir, said the farmer, didn't you know the wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and it swirls it from field to field? And if my neighbors grow inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. If I am to grow good corn, I must help my neighbors also grow good corn. My, what a concept. That if I would help contribute to those that are around me, that by nature... Something's going to shift and some things are going to happen and I might reap some benefits of my generosity and my kindness and my helping them. That's the principle that Jesus is teaching is saying, hey, look, there's value in investing in others. There's value in aligning yourself with those that are around you that are all going to the same place, that are all trying to serve the same purpose. We're all trying to make it to heaven. We're all trying to get that prize. And if I have to give you some of my good stuff, then I'm going to give you some of my good stuff. And in me giving you my good stuff, maybe my good stuff will be better stuff. And you don't do it selfishly because then the cycle continues all over again. You keep giving. You keep pouring out. You keep sharing with others. That's what God intended. That's why he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Don't just sit there and bottle up all the good stuff for yourself. Share it with people. Tell them how good God has been. Invest in other people and say, we've got to share this. There's a purpose here. Don't think someone is going to come in and say, man, you're doing such a good job as manager. Your entire team has failed in every aspect. Sales are down. Polls are down. Likes on Facebook are down. They all stink, but man, you're doing a great job as manager. Well, thank you. I'm the boss. I've I've got everything under control on my side of things. I'm controlling it all on my end. I don't know about those other people out there. That doesn't work. Don't think that treating those around you lesser because you are greater is going to improve your business. And it's definitely not improving his business. Blowing out someone else's candle does not make your shine brighter. Going around and being negative to other people and trying to push them down so that you look better is not helping the big picture. Imagine if a coach went around boasting of his amazing abilities and his incredible skills as a coach and his team had not won a game in three years. That man would not have a job. Sure, you have the title of coach. Sure, you have authority. But what has that authority produced? Have you invested into others or has it been all about yourself? Imagine hearing a teacher at school laugh and mock your child when you walk into the class. 
mocking them because they don't have the same level of understanding as she has. And she's sitting there talking about how foolish they are because they don't understand these complicated problems. Laughing because she had made the test so very difficult. They all failed and she is so superior to them. Because she knows the answers and they do not. You say, well, that sounds awful. I can't imagine. If I walked in and the teacher was doing that to my kid, I, I might cause a little bit of trouble myself. But we, we do that. Maybe not in, in this arena, but there are people out there that in their own way tear other people down because they don't have the title. They don't have the position. They don't have that superiority. And so they boast around of who they are and what they've accomplished. But a manager should desire to see his team succeed. A coach should want to see his players thrive. A teacher should want to see her students excel. Because what they do and become is a reflection of your ability as a leader. Your failure is my failure. Your success is my success. We need each other. Look across the aisle at somebody tell them we need each other. We need to align ourselves and make sure it's about him and his kingdom, his plan and his purpose. Your title does not mean anything if you are not living it. If you're boss but you're not being a good boss, there's a problem. If you're coach and you're not coaching, that's a problem. If you're manager and you're not managing, there's a problem. I can call myself whatever I want to, but if what I do does not support what I claim to be, then I'm not really who I say that I am. Listen, we have people who try to pull you down, but listen, they are already below you. If you intentionally tear down people because you're imitated by them, or intimidated by them, or ignored by them, or whatever the case may be, you don't like them and you're not interested in his cause. Listen, James and John, this is not a competition. We're all in this together. We're all trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to pour in to the same thing. Let's do it together. If you have constantly have to lift yourself up and make sure everyone realizes who you are, not only are you a small-minded person, but you are very unchristlike. But when others are around you and they want to continue to be around you because you're investing in them, you realize there is value in them, you realize that we're all contributing to this together, they will want to be right there with you. That is God-given authority. That is an opportunity that you have to humble yourself and to wash feet and to serve. And people will want to be around somebody like that. How do I know? Because there were crowds that constantly were around Jesus. When you are about Him being lifted up and others being lifted up, you will in turn be blessed. But then we go back to square one. What are my motives? If there's an opportunity for me to start getting 
glory and me to start getting accolades. And I start back over and humble myself and I check my motives and I start back at square one. And I align my motives. God, I want my heart to be pure. I want my mind to be pure. I want everything I do to be about you and not me. I want to serve you. I want to serve others. And it's a constant cycle. Don't ever get to the place where you think that you have arrived. We've got to constantly, every day, try to realign ourselves. And realize that the authority that God has given us is not to lord over people, but to serve people and to love people. And you hear me, each and every one of you are a leader. You are all chosen by God to lead people. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's those around you. And you say, well, I don't have a title. I don't have, that's okay. Your title as leader is servant. How can I serve my friends? How can I serve my family? How can I serve others to let them see there is power and alignment and authority and that if we could all grasp this, we'll all be better for it. Let's all stand tonight. I have got to align my motives. I've got to align with the values of His kingdom. I've got to align with authority And I've got to align with others. It doesn't happen by accident. I'm not just going to wake up tomorrow and I'm in line. Like the planets that are, they're they're set in motion by God. They, They are directed by God. But I have a choice and I can be stubborn sometimes. I can run away. I can push back and kick against it and not not buy into this. But I have a choice every day to align myself with the purpose of God and say, God, my big picture may be with good intentions and everything that I've done and my faithfulness to you and my my praying and and my desire to lead. God, I pray that I've never overstepped my boundaries in in leadership and, and, and in that authority that you've given me. But God, that's why I'm here tonight to make sure that I'm realigned with you. To make sure that it's still about you and not me. To make sure my focus has not become self-centered. God, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page tonight and that we're all aligning together. And when we're all in line together, my, what a force to be reckoned with. When we all could come with one mind and one accord. The Bible says that when the musicians and the singers and and those that played the instruments, when they were all playing together and singing together with one voice, that a cloud filled the temple and it was so powerful and the glory of God had filled that place so much that the ministers were not even able to minister. They could not stand to do what they were called to do because there were a group of people that got together and aligned themselves in such a way they had one voice. They had one sound that was going to heaven because they had a unified purpose. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You start reading the book of Acts chapter 2. You will find many times over and over again. And they all, and they all, and they all, and they all. It doesn't help if there's few that are scattered. It doesn't help if there's some that are checked out. But if we could align ourselves and say, look, this is not about me. This is not about you. 
This is not about our differences. This is not about who I am and what I can do and what you can do and who you are and your title and my title. It ain't about any of that. It's who can we love? Who can we reach? Who can we make sure is saved in this end time? What, what can I contribute together? What could we do if we did it together? If one put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Let's join together. Let's align ourselves with God, with His purpose, with others, and see His kingdom fulfilled. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence that has been in this place. God, tonight we rejoice because our names are written down in heaven. God, I thank you for each and every one of these people that are here tonight. God, on this Wednesday night, another opportunity, God, to get it right, to to realign ourselves with your purpose and your values and your kingdom. God, it's not about us. God, even in our best intentions, God, let us not become Satan. Let us not become one that doesn't understand what you are doing and doesn't savor the things of God. But Lord, I pray that in us seeing a big picture... Let us see the bigger picture. Let us see the purpose and plan that you have for each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would go with us tonight and lead us, oh God, each and every day. Help us to align ourselves with you. Help us to align ourselves and make sure our motives are right and our spirit is right. God, help us to align ourselves with authority. Help us to align ourselves with others, oh God, that we may see your glory and your kingdom fulfilled in the name of Jesus we pray tonight we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus name and everyone said amen praise God love somebody tonight tell them let's let's align ourselves together let's work together God bless you thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God be blessed tonight